0: Welcome to Cold Water, Hot Coffee. Disciplines for starting your day with clarity and purpose. I'm Nate Sharf, I'm your host. If you've been looking for ways to get inspired, if you've been looking for a way to get your head off your pillow in the morning without groaning, if you question why you're here or what you're doing, or how you ended up with the life you're living, you've come to the right place. This podcast exists to invigorate your mood and clarify your mission. Welcome to Cold Water, Hot Coffee. Cold slap start to your day to get you awake and alive. This is episode six. Our topic is service. Let's get started. In our last episode, episode five, we explored resistance and ways we can move past it. In this episode, episode six, we're going to learn how to get busy being in service. When we've become clear on our mission, when we've let go of our old mental patterns that cause resistance, and when we're ready to contribute to the world, we're ready to be in service. This is a fulfilling and energizing place to live in. We're no longer focused on our self. Self Self-gratification, self-adornment, self-recognition, self-advancement. Ideally, all of these trappings of the ego have faded away. We simply want to love and support others and use our bodies and our minds and talents for the betterment of the world, and we want nothing in return. There's two components of service that I wanna explore today. The first is selflessness, and the second is willingness, combining the two to get us to full service. Selflessness, how do we get there, and what's in it for us? I say that as a joke, But the truth is, in order to be in service, we really have to get to this place of unconditional love, not just for others, but also for ourselves. We have to be free of our ego and its nagging desire to keep us distracted and fearful. Oftentimes, when we do service, it's wrapped in this expectation of a give and a get reward system. If I give my time, if I give my money, if I give my talents... I'm going to get something in return, right? I'll feel better about myself. I'll be seen as a good person. Maybe I will absolve any recent bad behavior with my goodness and return to being carbon neutral on my good, bad imprint in the world. When I think about service, one example that really stands out for me is the yogi Paramahansa Yogananda. Paramahansa Yogananda was credited as the first Indian Hindu monk to move and live permanently in America and he introduced millions of Americans to the teachings of meditation and Kriya Yoga. He founded his organization Self-Realization Fellowship with temples and centers all over the world. If you want to learn more about this amazing yogi, check out the documentary Awake. You can also read his famous book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Apple co-founder Steve Jobs was a devotee of Paramahansa Yogananda, and a copy of his autobiography was handed out to every attendee at Steve Jobs' memorial service. Two years after my divorce, in 2012, I moved from Rancho Bernardo, California, to an oceanfront condo in Encinitas, California, right above the classic surf break, Swami's. Encinitas is known as an epicenter of all things wellness, Yoga centers, vegan restaurants, triathletes, pro surfers like Rob Machado, Pop Good. Eastern Spirituality, and high-end athletic stores abound in Encinitas. Directly south of my condo complex, named Sandpiper Point, was Yogananda's Hermitage, Gardens, and Retreat Center, the Self-Realization Fellowship Center. And below its bluffs was the world-class surf break swamis. I began attending Sunday services at the temple, which was just a few blocks from my house. I knew nothing about Hinduism or Kriya Yoga, but I started diving in. A year later, I am now a full-fledged subscriber to the weekly lessons issued by the Self-Realization Fellowship, also known as SRF. I'm meditating for hours a day. I'm finding a lot of increased Peace and clarity in my life. 2013, I spent a week at the Self-Realization Fellowship Ashram in Hidden Valley, San Diego. My lifelong practice of meditation had begun. I want to talk about Yogananda as an example of service. And of course, there's many other famous icons that we could turn to for examples of service. The last three years of Yogananda's life were spent in complete surrender to service. By 1950, he was overseeing 82 separate spiritual centers and churches that stretched all the way to the Gold Coast of Africa. He was writing for 16 to 18 hours a day at his desk, wearing out secretaries trying to dictate his autobiography, and he was just completely surrendered to being in service. He died at age 59 in 1952. He was giving a speech at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles. As he was finishing that speech, he collapsed dead on the spot of a heart attack. True selfless service, giving himself entirely to his cause. So we don't all have to sacrifice our lives to be in service, but I'm using this yogi as an example of some of the traits and practices that I see in the saintly and good people like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, and the many other icons of selfless service. The characteristics that I see are as follows. First off, they have no ego. Secondly, they typically want nothing in return. Third, they give from a place of completeness. And fourth, they're completely connected to their spirituality and they serve as an instrument of God. So let's dive into each of those. No ego. People who are able to be completely in service have really dropped the shackles of ego attachments and their sense of self. So they move fully from spirit. It is said that the spirit and the ego cannot coexist. And the ego is all about self-identity, survival, It's not just grandiose images of oneself. It can often be negative images of oneself. Folks who I see who are living in service tend to not have any ego, which brings me to my second point, nothing in return. They're really not looking for anything in return. There's no transaction expectation around their service. They're not trying to be super visible. They might be highly visible just because of their years and dedication to their service and the resulting legacy that they've built as a result of that. But they're not looking for anything in return. Whether or not they were famous or not, they would still be in service. And they're not, quote, getting anything out of it when they're being in service. It's just just part of who they are. It's not a transaction. Third, they're giving from a place of completeness. They have no expectation. So because they are... Fully oftentimes enlightened and aware of who they are and spiritually grounded and clear about their mission that they're able to give from a place of completeness. Other mere mortals like myself, when we're in service, eventually it tires me out. I get tired of being in service and loving and supporting people unconditionally. I can't do it every single day all day long. Like these icons of service can. Because for me, it takes energy to be in service for extended periods of time. But with these these service icons, they give from this place of completeness. It's not draining for them. They they can give unconditional love and support without it wearing them out. And then fourth, they're connected to spirit, they're an instrument of God. So there's no there's no sense of self behind their service. They are literally just tapped into the source from above, and they're just saying, you know, spirits, guide me and use me and show me the way. And they're just using their bodies to be in service. There's a wonderful quote by author Bernard Shaw on this approach to service, and it's as follows. This is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. To be thoroughly worn out before you're thrown on the scrap heap. The being, a force of nature, instead of a feverish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Bernard Shaw from Man and Superman. Now, sadly, I am not at that level of selfless service. I still get caught up in the day-to-day distractions of clinging to a job and a mortgage and parenting. But... I feel like I'm moving in the right direction. So I think it's worthwhile for us to really explore our motivations when we are in service to others and are we truly doing it from a selfless place? And I guess even if it's not always selfless, if there's some transactional to it, we're still being in service to others. What I get from, from that piece is to really be able to sustain it and make it integrated part of who you are it's really dropping the ego and learning how to have it just be a selfless component of who you are. So that's the first component of service, this concept of selflessness. The second concept is willingness. Now I've mentioned self-help author Sherry Huber before. Another wonderful book of hers is, What You Practice Is What You Have, a guide to having the life you want. One of Sherry's key teachings in her book is to get out of what she calls the, quote, dark room, quote, of self reproach and learn how to break the conditioning of the ego that wants to keep us stuck in suffering by focusing on a survival mentality. Sherry's Zen philosophies teach us how to see that our life is a direct record of the beliefs we tell ourselves, we practice. And most often, these beliefs are kind of self hating and mired in judgment, Criticism and comparison. She's got a wonderful quote in this book, What You Practice Is What You Have, and it goes as follows I will no longer allow my attention to be directed towards a perception of myself as someone trapped in a life that is beyond my control, helpless to affect my circumstances, working and trying hard, but endlessly frustrated by failure, plagued by fear, anger, sadness and depression, seeking any escape, feeling bad and guilty about my inadequacy, beaten regularly by voices that see me as worthless and contemptible. I will instead direct my attention to my own experience of the deepest desire of my heart. I will choose to attend to kindness, peace, acceptance, and compassion Embracing in unconditional love and acceptance all parts of me that suffer, and from that place of gratitude and generosity, practice embracing all life in the same way. I will begin to practice recognizing when I am in the dark room of egocentric karmic conditioning, self-hate, and when I am in the light room of this here now. I will practice turning attention away from the something wrong, not enough of the dark room and to the expansiveness and possibility of the light room. Although I will get distracted and bamboozled and will allow my attention to be hijacked by egocentric karmic conditioning and self-hate, as soon as I realize that, I will turn attention to what I want for my life, to loving-kindness. Compassion and well being. I will give no attention to the voices of judgment, criticism, or punishment. I will surround myself with support for a life in the light room, seeking inspiration and strength from Sangha, participate in what is uplifting, prioritize what takes care of the heart, and surround myself with that which mirrors the unconditional love and goodness I know to be my true nature. Sangha is a Sanskrit word used in many Indian languages, meaning association, assembly, company, or community. So we can think of Sangha as a community of friends practicing together in order to bring about and to maintain awareness. Isn't that a wonderful quote? I like Sherry Huber's easy explanation of living in the light room rather than the dark room. And remembering who we are when we go to the dark room. And having the mental discipline to go back to our true nature of unconditional love and goodness. So, the second piece of service, willingness, is really about giving ourselves the grace to believe that we deserve to live the life that we want to live, that we don't have to always be competing and striving and efforting our way through life. We can build a community of love and support. We can be in service to others and receive their love and support when they're in service to us. What a wonderful place that would be, right? Sherry's book goes further about what you practice is what you have and does a wonderful job of giving this distinction about how one process, one thought process, doesn't lead to a different outcome, And she gives the example of a common thought process Americans might have, which is, you know, if I work hard and make money, I'll get enough money to buy a house. And when I have my own house, I will be happy. And the reality is the process of working hard is a very separate process from being happy. Working hard to make money as a process will give you learning to work hard to make money. But learning to be happy is a completely different process. But we oftentimes buy into the American ideals and dreams of, if I do this process, I will get that result. So what we have to do instead is just turn to what is going to make us happy. What is that right now? And oftentimes it is service. And have the courage to live from our hearts And know that it is our one life to live as we wish. And if it's being in service, if it's loving, if it's supporting, then there's no wrong in that. So I challenge all of us and especially myself to release myself from ego trappings and allow myself to live my authentic life and return to love and support and return to service. And I hope we can all give ourselves the grace to do more of that. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for joining me in this exploration of service and how we can spend more time doing it and doing it in joy without any expectation. For more about this podcast, go to coldwaterhotcoffee.com. If you want to learn more about me, click the About button on our website menu. We are here to help you reclaim the fire of your youth. You are not done yet with life. Let's fill the tank. Let's get you back on the road. Thank you for joining me for episode six of Cold Water Hot Coffee.